episode 14 of the Justin Insight podcast. We are back to a little bit of normality after all the WrestleMania madness of last week. Um, as always, my name is Tim Backbeck. I'm a writer, I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling, but most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, for my weekly little roundup that I like to do, don't know if you guys like it, but I like to do it. I like to put something out there. Uh, everything kind of seemed to happen all at once again this week, uh, all at the weekend. Uh, apart from that, pretty uneventful working week for me, to be honest. Um, my band, The Divorcee, played a show last Friday in our hometown of Portsmouth, um, which was interesting. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, we stood out like a sore thumb, which isn't anything new, but hey ho uh but the other bands that we played with were kind of uh <clears throat> quote unquote mosh core bands um i've got nothing wrong with that i i like a mosh as much as the next guy but um the weird thing that kind of happened was when once we kind of got off the next band came on and it was almost like we were in their practice room with their mates and yeah it was just a bit bizarre um and even during their sort of makeshift mosh pit, one of the guys uh, attitude adjusted some of one of his other mates. And uh, yeah, just a bit mind boggling, to be honest. Um, the only other thing of note which I wanted to mention was I recently got to speak to one of my heroes uh, in Converge frontman Jacob Bannon. Um, got to talk to him about his solo project, Where Your Wounds, uh, which the self titled album is out now. Um, so yeah, I was really happy with this. Uh, I cannot thank Sean from Already Heard Enough uh, for setting that up for me. So please head over to alreadyheard.com, have a little read of the interview. Um, Jacob Bannon is one of like the most articulate guys I've ever kind of spoken to. Uh, he's really kind of open about how the whole sort of process of, of where your wounds came about. Um, so yeah, go over there, have a little little read. Um, I'll put the the link in the episode description for this as well so please feel free to to share that around i'd really appreciate it um anyway enough of me chatting on to today's episode uh, i had the opportunity to sit down with uh someone i met i've met a couple of times when his band have been touring over here in the uk uh front man of full of hell uh dylan walker now full of hell as i've mentioned one of those bands that i've been a fan of for for years and um, i think i've ca caught them every time they've been over to the uk i think don't hold me to that but yeah um i also had the chance to actually put them on back in my promoting days and meeting dylan he's he's just such a nice dude um he's really he's really open uh he's a really good guy to chat about music to uh for example before i actually called him on skype to do this interview uh he told me he was watching uh videos of portal so i think that kind of says everything about that dude really uh but it's not a bad way to pass your time um, we talked about the band's new record, Trumpeting Ecstasy, uh, about the aesthetics of the band, how their brand of kind of extreme music has evolved over the years, how Dylan's vocal range has kind of evolved through the years, um, and also what it was like for, for the band to hang out with uh, Max and Igor Cavalera, which for me is something that's quite a mind-boggling experience, but God knows what it was like for those guys actually being there. Anyway, again, I'm rambling. I'm going on too long. Um, I hope you guys enjoy my little chat with Dylan Walker uh, and I'll see you on the other side.
today on the Justin Insight podcast, I am joined by Dylan Walker, uh, frontman vocalist of Full of Hell. Um, Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. Um, wanted to obviously touch upon a, a few things on this chat, but obviously uh, with the show being called Justin Insight, we like to kind of almost go back to square one in, in a sense and get a, a little bit of history of the band. So if you can just kind of uh, briefly go over how Full of Hell formed in, in the first instance to and obviously to how it become where we are today. Well, our guitar player Spencer formed the band in 2009 uh, with some other people, not even me. Okay. And uh, yeah, they started playing some shows, uh, just really like embryonic stages of the band. And uh, I think he hated everybody in the band. So uh, uh, a couple of them quit and one of them... When when the singer quit, I, I I had I had met Spencer like like immediately before that and, and jumped on it because I'd never really met anybody before that was so obsessed and driven like with like you know with the idea of being in a in a band that just went on tour that was that was our goal from the beginning just yeah. to release release music as much as we could and tour nonstop and uh, I guess since then I guess the rest is. Is history. Yeah. Uh, we've just been we've kind of just been touring since then, and uh, it's kind of crazy to look at it now and think it's been like seven or eight years. So, but in a good way. <laughs> so, how did you actually get involved? Was it a case of Spencer asked you, or did you kind of approach Spencer? Well, I'd met those guys, seeing them at shows and stuff early on because they they don't live too far away from me. So, their his old bands would always play shows up here, and I'd heard that Full of Hell was was like more of like a, a sludgier kind of like crowbar kind of sounding band yeah. so i was i was excited to see them and it was pretty good when i saw them but uh i i had never talked to spencer in my life he's a really shy guy yeah and we got the opportunity to talk after hanging out for two weeks he finally said something to me <laughs> and it turned out we, we liked like i i didn't hadn't really met that many people at that point in my life like grindcore and noise and and like screamo and just like chaotic stuff and he liked all of that so when his other bandmates were out of the picture, it was like, dude, fuck it, let's do that band that yeah. we've always wanted. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And had you had you been in bands previously yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as, nothing notable. As a, um, a frontman? Yeah, I always, you know, I, I, the first band I was ever in was when I was a little kid, like 12 years old, 13. Yeah. And we started a band. We just wanted to have a metal band. Uh, we called it Rotting Carcass. It wasn't, like death, <laughs> it wasn't even death metal, though. It was just kind of like metal. And I wanted to play guitar in the band, but I'm not a very good guitar player and no one wanted to sing. So they kind of just pushed me into it. And I found that it was very easy to make weird noises with my mouth. So. Yeah. I never, you know, because it came to me so easily, I never did anything else in bands. It was like, this is what I want to do, because it, t- it took like little to no effort for me. Mm. Well, funnily enough, that that's kind of something that I wanted to, to talk to you about, was because obviously your your vocals and your voice are quite unique within sort of like Full of Hell. So obviously, if somebody puts on a hell of tra- uh, Full of Hell track, they instantly know that it's you, obviously, from the guitars and your voice. Um, but something that I picked up on on all of your records is the the range and flexibility that you've got. So is that something that you've kind of practiced over years and developed? Or, as you say, is it just something that's come really naturally? Um, there wasn't any practice involved. Um, I will say that I've with, within like the, the realm of Full of Hell, I've learned like so much about recording vocals and singing in general. Mm. So I'd been doing it since I was like, you know, a preteen, like young guy. 
and I figured out I could I could have some range um, after like you know really getting into listening to more like diverse extreme music, but. Uh, I was still in this mindset of like push as hard as humanly possible. It'll sound the best that way. And it wasn't really until the second full of hell LP that I realized that, uh, even live I'd been singing with more of like a head voice and I hadn't done that on the first full of hell record. And I completely blew out my voice, like just yelling as hard as I could. And I think it sounds like shit and I can't (laughs) listen to it. It drives me insane. I can't go back and listen to that record. So, it was always a learning process but i never never had any like vocal training and i never bothered to practice and i never had any idea of like warming up my voice and even now i'm a little like confused when people ask me like if any any friends or anything would ever ask like how do you do do whatever yeah i I don't have a good answer i don't (laughs) I, i just like do it and i think warming up would probably help me a little bit but yeah no there's no real uh nothing formal to it at all <laughs> and and it's just fun yeah. and with obviously again kind of on the the same topic obviously the the progression with with full of hell records as as a whole the band has kind of progressed and changed within the the realms of sort of grindcore power violence noise whatever you want to call it um but f- for me your vocals have kind of gone from being quite sort of screechy to quite sort of hard and guttural was is that something that you've specifically chosen to do as the as the albums have gone along or is it just the way that things have progressed maybe it's because i'm an adult now (laughs) yeah i'm just kidding but um i don't know i think uh i think i mean i'm sure my vocal cords have changed a little bit over the years when i found that head voice uh it became more of like um like an inspiration from like an acid bath standpoint with like the pukey kind of sounding stuff. Mm. I just wanted to make like the most wretched noises possible. Like <laughs> at least I was capable of. So I think wanting wretching noises um, and, and, and becoming more guttural just kind of like became synonymous with each other in mm. my brain. And my low range, I, I had a little bit of it when I was really young, but uh, it kind of left me in my early twenties, but it's become like an important part of the band. So I've been I had been doing them at shows more often, and yeah. I think they've defined themselves a little more, you know. So I mean, yeah, it just kind of came naturally. Things have come around. It, and there, it, there was never like a, an intelligent plan around how to develop a voice for Full Hell, though. Yeah, it just kind of happened. And obviously, when we're now coming up to the release of your of your third album, um, and obviously the the snippets that you guys have have released so far have obviously been really well received from from fans and kind of peers and things like that um but talk me through kind of the the backing of 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 the new album because it was is there kind of any specific themes that you focused on lyrically um was the writing process different at all because as you mentioned obviously you're, you're now obviously older and wiser as a band so you're obviously a bit more of a, <laughs> a bit. <laughs> you're a bit more of a, an oiled machine so have, were things a bit different this time around it was a little more fluid, I think. Um, those guys, Dave, Sam, and uh, and Spencer have been... Well, Sam's like the newest member. He's only been in the band for like a year and a half. Mm. But he's great. He's like maybe the best bass player we've ever had. But Dave and Spencer have been playing together for so many years now that I think their system's really coming around. And I've been really, really kind of inspired by Dave the past couple of years. He's just been like so driven and... Same with Spencer. Spencer's always been driven at like level 11, basically. 
so these guys they have it they had a system worked out they wrote the record as as they've written every other record where spencer is coming up with these riffs in his head for weeks and then he brings them to the practices and and they mull over them and they try to flesh out some songs and once they have a few songs then like a musical narrative usually comes to spencer like an ebb and a flow because since day one we always wanted to create records that were like one long kind of movement yeah as opposed to chopped up songs now we've kind of moved away from that just a little bit because they came a dead stop to sometimes to like good good results but like a long movement was always kind of kind of the inspiration you know like mm. like a neurosis record feels we're not at the same scope obviously but a neurosis record feels like a giant piece rather than maybe like isolated songs so that's always important to his writing process and Lyrically, I wait for demos, but uh, occasionally I'll just be driving down the road and something will just kind of click into my brain and I'll have to write, write it down in my phone notes <laughs> yeah. all over the road. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this record, you know, a lot of the older stuff was pretty introverted as far as the lyrics went. Mm. So I never really, never really had to pigeonhole myself or try to write like, like death metal lyrics or anything. Those guys kind of just let me have free reign and yeah. kind of let me push the aesthetic wherever I wanted it to be. So we've written about all kinds of stuff in the past, but this record is probably the most direct and forward. Um, I mean, I can't say that current world events like haven't had an influence on, on the record. Yeah. You know, I feel, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place personally in my life, like mentally, but within my bubble, it, it, it feels like that outside of my bubble, which becomes repeatedly punctured every time I open my eyes and look around. Mm. It, it's it's really disheartening and, and infuriating and, and terrible and sad and I don't know, I think I think it was really easy to draw on my disappointment with human beings in general. Yeah. Uh, to write to write this record. And I've never been vocally vocally anti religion. Uh, it's 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 a part of Part of who I've been since I was a kid. Mm. My parents never forced religion on me, and I, I was just like uh, always under the assumption that that you know I was an atheist. <laughs> yeah, I never really, I never really felt it was necessary to really push it hard with "Full of Hell" because the name is "Full of Hell." It might be an entombed reference, but most people read it and they think, "Oh, ooh, big bad evil band, anti-Christian yeah. band, real cool." But it really just kind of just this is a pretty anti-Christian record. <laughs> uh, it just kind of came out of me. Like I, I didn't want it to be so on the nose, but I didn't want to. I've never had had the the misfortune of having to force anything, so I just didn't force it not to be something either. And yeah, it just came out extremely anti-human, very anti-Christian. Just how it is. Uh, is that t- kind of tied in with the artwork? Because obviously the artwork's quite striking in in what it is. So is that kind of tied into to that kind of theme? Well, it's funny. Um, uh, we got we. Uh, we got one of my favorite artists to do the art. His name's Mark McCoy. He was in Charles Bronson. He does Youth Attack Records. Oh, okay. All these amazing things. He's an amazing artist. Like, it's unbelievable. I'm a huge, huge fan. He did the artwork for the Merzbal collab as well. Oh, yeah. Our deal with Mark and with any artist really is I don't really want to encumber them with, with our, maybe like, our crappy vision of what we think the art should look like because honestly, we didn't really know exactly what kind of motif we were working with mm. physically. So I gave him the title, the song names, 
the lyrics and just let him go from there. And when he sent it back, my, honestly, my first thought was like, oh no, this is really on the nose. Is it too much? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a nun's head on fire. But, but I sat with it for like three seconds and then I was just like, you know what? If the shoe fits, I I should just go. Like honestly, I should just go with it. Yeah. It's an on the nose record. It's it's fine. The, and the art is, I, I'm so happy with it. Yeah, I love it. I, it's it's very striking, like you said. I I was really pleased with what he came up with. Well, because I think from from my kind of perspective as a, as a fan, like everything that I've seen of your guys, um, the artwork is quite. Uh, almost minimalistic in in a sense like obviously with kind of like collages and things like that so to come out with something like this i think it was quite a a bold statement for which is something something new from you guys which for me personally i'd I'd really like to see yeah i mean we've taken we've taken minimalistic approaches before but i i i I agree you know sometimes sometimes it's good to be loud with things Mm. and uh you know i felt maybe i felt in the past that our music was so loud and and extreme that like that uh maybe some minimalistic approach with the aesthetic could be a wise way to offset it mm. but but I, I i think maybe i've grown a little bit and i realized that every, i think every bit of the band should be as over the top as possible i think that's probably better and and also you know with this record in general i think really just down to make a really driven hard record because we just done two collabs with the body um, one which is just recorded and unreleased, but those are so far out of our wheelhouse and and so different. And the artwork for that release was so just you know abstract and strange, and not particularly any sort of way that it was nice to just do a record where it was like this is just full of hell. Yeah. And so you mentioned previously that obviously you've kind of got a bit of free reign, obviously like uh, lyrically, but I think in general the way that the band comes across is that there are no barriers to obviously you you do kind of fit in that that whole sort of extreme noise grindcore kind of sound but you do what you want with it so has that kind of always been the the full of hell ethos is that you want to do what you want to do and that's kind of the end of it oh absolutely our, our main inspirations um especially the ones that have lasted and still shine through to to, to, the, to this point they had that ethos too, I think. Mm. I mean, a band like the Endless Blockade could do, could have done whatever they wanted. They did do whatever they wanted. We're like, you know, to cite Neurosis again, a huge influence for for us and for so many of our peers. And even a, a band like Converge, Converge can do whatever they want. Yeah. You know? And it's nice because it always sounds like Converge, and and Neurosis always sounds like Neurosis. And even a band like Swans, another band with like incredible scope and depth. Michael Yura does whatever he wants mm. with his music. It's it changes, it morphs, and it's it's always him. So you know those those people inspire us, and uh, you know I wouldn't put our music on that level at all. But they inspire us, and they, they can do what they want. And I and I really do feel like that if we if we felt the need to write like a slow record, or if we wanted to put out a record that was just noise, we we could do it. Yeah, and, and maybe not everybody would would appreciate it or get it but i don't feel like it would be that off for us to do something like that mm. you know the body collapse um are 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 really different yeah and uh we kind of just did them because we wanted to do them because <laughs> yeah. we're huge fans of the body and and kind of wanted to to talk, obviously talk about that because obviously you've done the one that 
was, was released and I, I was unaware that you've done a second one so are you are you able to talk about the the second collab at all um i mean i i don't think there's any reason why i can't but <laughs> i mean it's funny that when we did the first one we well, the only intention was to just do for for me to, to do everything i would want to hear on a body record that i hadn't already heard yeah and for them i think just to make something with their friends so there really wasn't any intention but I definitely felt like when we were writing it, we wanted it to be a record that a lot of people could listen to and appreciate, even if they weren't necessarily into noise and, and all the things that we like. But it was so funny because a lot of what I heard from my friends was, wow, this is it's, it's really harsh. Mm. Uh, it's kind of difficult to know what's going on. And it just kind of was like a smack on the head. I was just like, this is that's really dumb. So the second one is, is really uh, much more like way out in deep space and and way less accessible okay so yeah so the next one will be really extreme so it's nice it'll be nice to uh to do something that's uh a little more out there maybe is it going to be the same kind of balance though obviously like with with yourself sort of jumping in on parts of their of their songs and vice versa or, or have you taken a different approach to this one um yeah i mean it's the same same kind of approach where everybody's involved but uh I mean, I don't think it sounds quite like the last one at all. Mm. Um, it, it maybe, I mean, I don't want to say too much, but it it feels a lot less organic, but in like a good way. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to describe. And to be perfectly honest, we recorded it last summer oh, wow. and we finished that tour. So I, I actually, I I don't even have the files myself, and I don't remember what it sounds like <laughs> completely. I remember the act of recording it. I remember certain beats and hooks, and that's it. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'm excited. Maybe maybe next year we'll get to put it out, and it's just another excuse to tour with those guys yeah. as much as we can. And this is something that I find quite, obviously, not necessarily odd, but it's weird because, obviously, um, Trumpeting XT is your th- like the third full Full of Hell album. But right. you've you've been relentless in the work that you've done. I mean, like you've done splits, you've done seven inches, you've done collab albums. Is it just that you guys are constantly writing and you've constantly got material, or is it just that you want to always be in in the studio recording as well as touring, just being active in any way possible? I mean, it is a want, but it is because we're always writing. It's it's totally involuntary. Spencer can't stop writing. <laughs> the whole point of doing this band beyond like any other intention is just to to create stuff it's that's like the whole point is just that there's no greater joy than releasing a record mm. i mean at first touring was like this is the best thing in the world but you know as time goes on it's the rec making the records is the, the absolute best part of being in the band and i don't think if spencer tried he could slow down he just <laughs> as soon as we finish something he's already his brain's already you know the gears are turning and he's working on other stuff so that's you know, it's not even, uh, it's like I said, it's not intentional. Um, it's just kind of how, how we are. And I think it's the school we've been brought up in, you know, like you look at like a band like man is the bastard or bastard noise. They never stop either. And yeah. or our friends in thou, thou is like hugely prolific or Mersbau, mm. Mersbau, maybe even most of all, they just, they don't know how to stop. It's not in their, it's not in their nature yeah. just to slow down like that. And, and I'd like to think in a small way, uh, we feel that same kind of creative waterfall too. Just kind of keeps going, but and, and we want to slow down a little bit because I would like, 
I would like the release the release schedule to be a little more focused because I think it's sometimes hard for people to follow along. Yeah, there's always something going on, and people miss out on things. But uh, I don't know; it might not be possible. <laughs> I, I guess how things go, they is how they go. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's fine. And obviously, we've already kind of touched upon the the work with the body, and obviously, you mentioned Mersbau. But so the whole kind of collaborative work was that something that has been spoken about from from an early stage from you guys or was it something that came along naturally with the bands that you thought would be a fit with what you guys do we never talked about collaborating on that level at all it never even crossed our minds that we would do something like that Mm. i think our our favorite collaboration um in the early stages of the band was the bastard noise endless blockade collaboration Mm. but i don't recall a conversation where we were like, let's do a full-length collab with somebody. So, I mean, that idea fell into our laps when we met uh, the drummer, this this live drummer who's like one of my best friends. His name was Balaj Pandey. Okay. He's from Budapest. He he was in Brooklyn just like seeing shows and making music like he does. And uh, he happened to come to a, a Phobia Full of Hell show. And he had no idea who we were. And thankfully, he, he liked what he heard. And he started talking to us and, you know, got in touch via email. And we realized who he was, and it was just kind of like, wow, this guy's a serious heavyweight. He just, he's done so many awesome things over the years. And he put us in touch with Masami, who wanted to do a record together. It was just, I think for Masami, who's so prolific, I think uh, it was like a, not like a huge, huge uh, difficulty for him to just be like, yeah, I've got a bunch of material, let's let's do it, let's do something together. Mm. So from there, then it was just like, oh my God. And you know, Again, we had never then after that had in the plans to do another collaboration, but uh, that's kind of the nature of the body. They all, they're just like they're always collaborating. <laughs> yeah. So as, as soon as as soon as they kind of hit it off with us, I think they were just like it just popped into their heads. You know, same thing with a second one. Would have never asked to do a second one, but yeah. he suggested it, and at that point it was like, well, why the fuck not? So yeah, it's been. It's been uh, completely serendipitous. Obviously, the, a big kind of part of, of your sound is obviously the, the noise elements. And uh, am I right in thinking, like, back in sort of the early phases of, of Full of Hell, like, you did just sort of solo noise noise projects to go alongside it? Yeah, uh, early in Full of Hell, Spencer had always had the idea to have uh, kind of power electronics um, alongside the music. And uh, an easy way for us to kind of experiment and play around with it was to do this, these uh, short-run tapes that we released 
Mm. And uh, it was they were just nice companion pieces where we were able to expand upon like lyrical themes on the records and just cool stuff like that. And and obviously the pressure was lower. When I listen to that, that stuff now, you know, it's funny how how much we've learned since then. Yeah. But uh, those were fun to make. Spencer Spencer was instrumental with those though. He uh he did a lot of a lot of the stuff on the on the later ones. I started uh I started in tracks as well. Mm. First couple were were all him, and then I would arrange them and uh, put vocals over them and add samples and little stuff like that. But those were fun. We might we might do those again. I don't know. We, I don't feel like. Uh, I don't feel the need to do anything in particular. Yeah. And and it doesn't maybe it doesn't feel right to do one right now, so I just think it's on ice. Yeah. But the door's never at least the door's never closed. And because obviously you have those kind of elements of noise still in in the obviously the full length and some of the splits and things like that. Where you're kind of um almost like a, an accessible band within the kind of that kind of noisier side of things because obviously where you play uh sort of like with hardcore bands and things like that. Do you think that, yeah. that that's kind of opened people's eyes to that other side of kind of like the more harsher grindcore things because they've listened to you first? Oh, absolutely. I think we're definitely like, uh, you know, considered kind of an entry-level, like gateway kind of thing for that kind of extreme music. Mm. Um, and which honestly can be a point of contention and which we've had to kind of grapple with over the years when people we really look up to or really like think that we're shit because it's it's considered basic or we yeah. have like a following of hardcore kids we kind of just play to whoever we want to play with and we really did come up in like punk, the punk and hardcore scenes especially ethically and just the way we ran our band it was just being a being a diy hardcore band is it's just there's so much there's so much to it you know there's it's there's a good community and tons of small spaces in the states to play and it just it just worked for us and and where we grew up you know there's hardcore scenes we grew up with hardcore kids mm. um so we kind of just flitted around and, and now even we've been doing more like death metal centric tours so that's kind of out of the box too yeah and those people uh you know along the same lines sometimes literally have no fucking clue <laughs> why why the static is being layered over top of like a normal song and uh yeah, I mean, anytime you put something like that in front of a person who otherwise would have never seen it, it's a good thing, you know? It's polarizing. Maybe they hate it. Maybe they love it. And there's, like, there's no greater thrill than the times when you meet, like, a 14-year-old kid who you meet him at, like, you meet him at a show, and he's really into the band, and he gets a T-shirt and a CD or whatever, and then you meet him a couple years later, and even if, even if his project's really bad he's like started his own noise thing mm. and he's like, he's emulating like things that, you know, things that you're into or, or he's wearing t-shirts that you guys were wearing a couple years before. It's like the coolest thing ever. It's a really huge privilege to be considered like that kind of band. I think, you know, to, to any amount of people, I, I'm, I'm proud to, to be kind of like that, that band maybe that, that introduces people to, uh, a more experimental world of music. Mm. Well, because if I go for, from a personal point of view, because um, I can't remember the year that I discovered you guys, but um, you know a, a, a good friend of mine, um, Dean Lloyd Robinson? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Old friends. Yeah. So he kind of, I'd, I'd heard you guys, but he'd kind of then put me on to other people. Um, Dude, he's it, the man. Yeah, he's, he's such a nice guy. Um, but obviously with 
his project is obviously knifed out of existence. Like, I'm not the the biggest kind of noise guy, but because I, I know that he knows his stuff, like, I can get what he's kind of going. And I think that's kind of puts hand in hand. If you understand it from a, almost from an art perspective, then it kind of works and you can kind of, as, as you mentioned, kind of open up other doors. Absolutely. It's, it's contextual, all of it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really something special to be able to at least accept that while it may not be your taste, it's valid. Mm. And that's kind of been something that I've really been trying to embrace the last couple of years because I've always listened to like a ton of different styles of music, but you know, it's really fun to be a hater sometimes. <laughs> but it's such a waste. It's such a waste of energy. If you, if you really don't appreciate something, you know, move on from it. But there's just so much out there and there's nothing more depressing to me than the guy that says all he listens to is, you know, one or two genres of music, whatever yeah. they might be. There's, there's just so much out there. It Dean was actually one of the first guys I met in the UK. Okay. That, uh, really seemed yeah in general and who really seemed to kind of get where we wanted to go and he was into like all the same stuff as we were and uh i just remember meeting him at like one of our first uk shows ever and yeah. we've hung ever since it's a good guy yeah and well i think that's a kind of a good leap off point because obviously you're coming back to obviously europe and the uk later on in the year and it always kind of seems to be a place that you you always come back and always seem to enjoy and have fun with so uh, do you how did you kind of build up this relationship with the with the uk base because uh, as i mentioned it's somewhere that everyone seems to really embrace you guys i honestly don't know <laughs> uh, because the first time we went i was dumbfounded at how cool the shows were for us mm. um and i always attributed this to the fact that perhaps like there were bands that were maybe a little bigger than us that were kind of hyped over there. And I feel like England in particular really embraces a lot of styles that kind of make up our DNA. Like there, I feel like England's really into power violence and grindcore and, and, and noise to a lesser extent and death metal and, you know, bands like nails and stuff. Yeah. Nails is huge in England. It's yeah. crazy. Nails shirts are like slipknot shirts. <laughs> yeah. And it's awesome. And you know, we're us in in the spectrum of like a, the nails scene their scene it works really well mm. so I, I always figured it was the footwork of fans before us and ever since we the first time we went that's the the, the one part of the world when we tour in, uh, europe that we always want to go back to is the uk mm. so we've been to the uk like seven times and it's always really cool made is, lots of friends is there any really sort like of there is there any any particular cities that really stand out for you over here? I mean, obviously London's like a really crazy place to play. Mm. So our London shows are always, you know, amongst some of my favorite. Um, but Brighton's really cool. Uh, Leeds is insane. Yeah. There's so many sick bands in Leeds, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And they have that venue, Temple of Boom. Yeah. Seriously, the Leeds scene is unfucking real. It's, it's ridiculous um, at the moment. And all those guys are in like eight fucking bands. Yeah, like Afternoon Gentlemen, in particular, like one band where it's just like every single vocal style and extreme music in one fucking band. Yeah, it's, it, it makes you laugh because it's so insanely sick and over the top. And we're touring with Famine again, at least for a couple of shows, mm. and uh, in, in the summer. And we've toured with them before. Those are excellent guys. They're involved in that scene. And this band, uh, Unyielding Love, is coming along with yeah. us. They're from Ireland. 
and uh, they're just on a whole different tip. It's really cool. Well, they have they have serious vision. It's well, awesome. it's, it's strange because I've um I saw them because again relating back to Dean, ironically, he toured with them. Um, I think it was last year, um, mm. and a, a, a few of my friends kind of equated them to kind of like. Uh, the UK equivalent of you guys, so it's it's kind of weird to sit, kind of see them on a tour with you, which is which is quite nice. We've known those, we've known a couple of those guys for some time, mm. um, and you know they're just they're great musicians, and I, I think it's really cool when someone can say like, "Oh, this is the UK equivalent of you guys," and then you listen to it, and sonically it still has its own vibe. Yeah, because there's actually a band in Japan that people say sounds like us too okay well they're called friendship the friendship and yeah very very strange name (laughs) for that kind of band but they're really fucking sick and when i when i heard them i was like this doesn't sound anything like us but it's so awesome you know that you can take that kind of dna and swish it around you know not even just saying that anybody's influenced by us per se but like that same kind of dna that we're into and then it comes out the other end and it's just its own beast mm. you know there's this band from the states who on paper were into like all the same stuff they're called yaucha they're into you know just across the board all these different kinds of extreme music and a lot of the same stuff we're into but they sound so unique and so different from anything that we've ever like ever done and it, but it's so over the top but just in a completely unique direction mm. it's just really cool because it's all the same you know a lot of the same components but it it's completely unique. Mm. It's cool how that happens. <laughs> and and obviously, a, another big part of you guys, as you mentioned, when you first started, you wanted to just go out and tour, kind of thing. Um, and I think the the full of hell live experience is completely different to what you have on record. And not that's not to say that they're different entities, but I think if you listen to you guys on record, you get a different experience to what you have live. Um, so do you kind of consciously think about your, your live aesthetic or do you just kind of, once you're on stage, just let loose almost? Uh, we just kind of go for it. Mm. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a plan. Uh, we have like a little, little roadmap set list that tell us where we want swelling noise or whatever, you know, little kinds of electronics need to be laced into the set or to put samples and whatever. But, uh, I don't know. Um, we just try to play the songs, you know, as best we can, like any other band. Mm. Um, and just, you know, go as hard as we can. It, it's not always as hard as we want it to be, but it's, we never fake it. Yeah. If it, if it's a little, if it's a little quieter than normal, then it's because we're feeling like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cause again, from a, from a personal point of view, cause I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing you guys quite a few times and, um, as you mentioned, obviously Spencer's quite a, a shy guy. Um, yourself, from speaking to Dean, and I, I have actually met you before um, at one of the Brighton shows. You're like you're very approachable, and like you're really sort of like a friendly guy to talk to. But once you're on stage, it's almost like you transform into someone else. So, <laughs> so is that something that again? Is it just something that takes over you almost? Yeah, it's kind of like a trance. I don't yeah. know. There's nothing ingenuine there. It's just, it's so freeing to play. I don't know. I feel it when we play, like, mm. through and through. Uh, I feel all of it, and, it, and it feels, you know, it's, it's very cathartic. Yeah. Uh, not to sound, you know, corny or anything, but that's really, 
that's it. It just it it feels like something else entirely. And you know, I, I I'm glad I, I seem approachable. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's I think that's in my character. You know, I, you know, I just don't want to. I don't want anything that we do to be like a put on to to anyone. And I'm sure you know it could be perceived by like that to someone. But none of it is. I mean, we we play exactly how we want to play. We act how we want on stage and mm. off stage. Act just as we we would in in real life, regardless. Mm. So I don't know. We're just expressing ourselves, man. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, something that you've started to do a lot more, and especially in the last sort of two three years, is starting to support kind of like bigger bands, quote unquote, and play sort of bigger venues, but you're still also playing these kind of smaller DIY shows. So yeah. how do you kind of, one, sort of adapt yourself to, to the bigger stages? Because obviously I think your sound is obviously ideal for the smaller stage, but you've got to kind of, to, to grow, you need to adapt to the bigger stages. Um, yeah. And secondly, how how do you kind of find audiences when you're um, touring with the bigger bands? Kind of, How do they kind of perceive you? First off, it's actually there's no greater treat than playing both sizes of venues. Because mm. um, when we do these package tours, we uh, we always play shows to and from them because they always meet in like fucking Las Vegas or California, which is the whole way on the other side of the country. Yeah. So we have to play shows to get there, and and play shows on the way to get home. And honestly, there there's no better feeling than the first day after the package tour mm. where we go and we play a warehouse somewhere. And we just play a really crazy show with no giant stage and no barrier <laughs> yeah. or dumb, anything like that. It's fucking awesome. Um, and it's really cool because playing both sides of that coin, I've come to appreciate both, you know, more and more. And uh, um, as far as the big stage thing goes, it was something we had to get used to. But honestly, if, this, if the big stage is, is right and the sound is crushing, it's kind of really fucking fun to play mm. a big, big stage because the sound is really good. And, you know, the PA is, like, you know, sometimes these are like like a million-dollar sound system in some stupid-ass club, but it's it's like a crazy sound system. And the, the, the subs are just, like, pushing so much air. And it can sound crushing. Like, I love seeing the, – the Body's a great band, you know, small or big stage, because if you see them on a big stage, it could kill you. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So, and these bigger tours have been a huge treat because – We've always toured DIY, and and there's some stress that goes along with that because it's like, is anybody going to come see us? Like, are we going to get paid, or mm. how's this going to go? And you, on these tours, you don't have to worry about anything. Everything's set up. We're not in charge, so uh, I don't know. There's just less responsibility in that sense. Mm. Um, and you get to play to a whole new crowd of people. And uh, like on this this uh, most recent run with Max and Igor Cavalera. They were doing Sepultura songs, so it was Sepultura fans and Immolation fans. Immolation was the direct. That was a pretty big tour for us. Mm. Um, maybe the biggest we'd ever gotten. And, uh, it was it could dream come true, honestly. There was definitely a challenge every night because I think when you tour with a band with like a 30, 40 year reputation like that, their fans are diehards and they have a huge fan base. And yeah. it's kind of like, who the fuck are we yeah. to be on this stage as well? So, I mean, those people bought you know, $25, $30 tickets to see Immolation and Sepultura play. Mm. But, uh, you know, so you're the opener and you really got to play hard for them to pay attention to you. And and sometimes I'm sure there's like a big percentage of them that were just kind of like, whatever. But honestly, it was really positive, you mm. know, as far as we could see. It went really well for us. 
and uh, it was the same thing with the Entomb tour, and uh, we toured with a black metal band called 1349. Mm. That was really fucking great, too. And it actually was surprising how well we worked with a black metal band, like a bigger corpse-painted black metal band. Yeah, yeah. I would love to do something like that again. <laughs> Maybe put some, do a full kind of corpse paint tour yourselves. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually, actually, I had a band when I was like... Uh, 14 or 15 where we did do that <laughs> brilliant <laughs> so i think that that was my one time corpse painting i don't think i'm gonna do it anymore and no. um, obviously you mentioned the the kind of tour with the sepultura guys doing the whole roots show um for, yeah. for one kind of how was that experience to kind of see them do that album night in night out and and secondly how did that opportunity come about for you guys um well watching them play every night was incredible because mm. Those brothers, you can just tell by watching them that they uh, they love what they're doing. I mean, those guys are still so inspired, and you know, it's it's something to watch two like serious legends just jamming together and just loving loving every minute of it, and they just get so into it. And they're such good performers. Igor is such a fucking good drummer. Yeah, Max is such a good frontman. It's just it's awesome. It, it gives you chills really because you know, and and honestly. I have to say as well, watching Immolation was like a huge privilege because that's like a seriously legendary death metal band who's still so extreme and so fucking awesome live. And they're so down to earth, like zero ego. They just get in and get it done. And they're just, you know, very approachable, very cool people. So that's like, you know, two heavyweight bands where it's just like, holy shit, these guys are the real deal. Yeah. So, you know, that's like very inspiring for us. We can only, you know, hope that, you know, our band stays together and we get to keep releasing records and that we keep it real like those guys would. Mm. Because, I don't know, they're fucking awesome, man. And uh, uh, how it came about. Um, well, basically, we met one of Max's sons. Oh, Igor. okay. Yeah, we met him at a show in Florida. And we, we didn't know who he was either. Uh, we found out soon after. But we just became friends. And uh, he said his dad was into us, and we, we sent him some merch. And, you know, we just kind of kept in touch. And every time we'd go out to Arizona, we would stay at their house and awesome. hang out with them. And they would always say, like, you know, we're going to take you on tour. We're going to take you on tour. And that's not something I would hold to heart, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Because it seems so surreal. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah. But it, it came through one day. And, you know, the whole, that whole family is so amazing. Uh, like, Gloria, very, very helpful. And I don't know. It was just... Overall, just a surreal experience. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's one I, I don't think we'll ever forget. And something else that I wanted to, to talk about with you was, is, again, kind of going back to the early days of, of Full of Hell, but was this um, almost like everything that you guys put out, there was kind of the the tag or, or slogan, so to say, of the whole numb your mind kind of thing. Um, so, so where did that kind of come about? Because I think, again, from seeing you guys, it was quite a... An iconic thing to see almost like the the treble clef with the cross through it and then numb your mind it was quite a a standing image so what can you talk me through how that kind of came about well the music note with the x over it is is a really popular a really popular little sign i mean a ton of grindcore and noise people have used it over mm. the years i'm not even sure who used it first i'm sure spencer would know <laughs> yeah. um, he came up with he came up with the little tagline numb your mind uh I think it has a lot to do with just maybe like the sonic nature of the music for one thing, like that's the double meaning, but uh, also just like 
self-medicating in the face of your pain um you know it's kind of personal but uh yeah i mean it's it's got a very literal meaning and it happens to have a nice double meaning yeah for the for the pulverizing uh sonic tone cool and and how i how i like to end these little chats is to kind of bring it back to to the live experience for you guys. So when you guys are obviously I know you've got the new record coming out so th- this might be a little bit different in in a couple of months time. But w- when you're playing live is there any is there one particular song for for you personally that when you play it like it everything just clicks and that's like the the favorite song that you love playing live. Over the new record? Oh well, well just in general in your set. Um I guess there's a few but Although the new record in particular, we've been playing this song "Branches of You" live, and uh, it just slams really hard, and mm. it just sounds like really. I, I feel like it really sums up like the kind of death grind vibe on the record, mm. and it just rhythmically just really hits me right, and 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 I like the vocal rhythms. It's really fun to sing. So I suppose that one, you know, it's only fifty seconds though, so it's like fifty <laughs> seconds of, of yeah, this is awesome. But uh, I, you know, they're all fun to play. Uh, I mean. It's funny because generally, if I'm not vibing with a song, Spencer's probably definitely not vibing with it, so we don't play it anymore live. So our sets stay pretty fresh for us, at least. Yeah. We only, you know, we've written a lot of songs, so we only really have to play what we really want to play. Cool. So generally, I vibe through the whole time. Cool. But, uh, you know, all of the new stuff, I'm super excited to start playing because I've only been playing a couple of the songs. And obviously, with, you know, with any band, they're most excited to play their new stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Um, cool. If, unless, is there anything else that you'd like to particularly shout about yourself, Dylan? Um, not, not particularly. No, <laughs> perfect. Um, well, Dylan, thank you very much for for taking the time to speak to me. Um, I'm hopefully going to be catching you guys in Bristol this time round when you when you're over. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing you and looking forward to hearing the new record as well. Yeah, can't wait, man. Thanks for the thanks for the interview. No worries. Cheers. Take care. Yeah, take care, man. See ya. folks thanks again to dylan for taking the time to talk to me uh, it was really interesting to hear about how they kind of view their workload because as i've mentioned during the chat it's like they're constantly kind of putting stuff out and as dylan mentioned their guitarist spencer just kind of keeps churning things out um so yeah it's really cool that they're constantly putting out music and really looking forward to hearing part two of a potential collaboration with the body because the last record they did with those guys was fucking awesome trumpeting ecstasy uh is set to come out on may 5th um after we recorded this episode the band actually announced that they'll be touring mexico for the first time um so that tour will run from may 3rd through to may 8th um they're also going to be doing an extensive european and uk tour um which starts on june 22nd in stuttgart and finishes on july 18th in bristol which is the show i'm hoping to go to so i'll probably see a very tired dylan and the rest of the guys but i'm sure they'll kill it as always as always you can keep up to date with the band uh over on different forms of social media and i'm not sure if they've got twitter and instagram but facebook's the one they kind of put most of the things out on so it's just facebook.com forward slash full of hell 
uh, as always you can follow this show on twitter which is at just underscore and underscore insight uh using the hashtag jai pod um next week it's going to be a little bit different throwing things out there trying different things with this podcast um so looking to introduce a new monthly feature uh, which i'm titling my favorite wrestler um you'll find out a bit more about that when we go into it next week with my first guest um so yeah keep an eye out for that episode when that drops uh, also i know i've already plugged my band once on this show but uh we're playing washed out festival in brighton on saturday um with loads of other rad bands across loads of different venues uh in brighton um so it's not just me plugging my band i think that festival is the first year they're doing it and they've been really ambitious with it um so if you're in brighton this weekend please go support that festival um because it's always cool to have new rad things coming out um and if you do so happen to come see me come say hi come hang out it'd be cool uh but anyway for now ladies and gentlemen thank you once again for joining me on the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon (laughs) 